Hello, this is Kevin Kersey of the Kevin Kersey Agency. The Kevin Kersey Insurance Agency, a member of the Farmers Insurance Group, can help with home, life, auto, or business needs. Phone number is 317-286-3481. We can also be found on Facebook at the Kevin Kersey Agency or at our website, www.farmersagent.com forward slash kkersey. Walk-ins are always welcome at 480 East Northfield Drive, Suite 300 in Brownsburg. The Kevin Kersey Agency presents Central Indiana Today on 98.9 WYRZ. Today's program is made possible by the Kevin Kersey Agency. And now here's your host, Rob Kendall. Hello, my name is Shane Ray. I'm filling in for Rob the Big Talker Kendall as he's taking a little time off because, uh, as I said before, there's a Mrs. Big Talker now. Most of you regular listeners of WYRZ know that on top of playing uh, the solid gold format, I am a big Elvis Presley fan. And August 16th marks 40 years since the King of Rock and Roll passed away. Today we're going to talk with Elvis author Alana Nash. Now she's written some other books and we'll talk about that. But because today is August 16th, we will be talking more about the books that she has written about Elvis Presley. She's from Louisville. And that's what uh, some folks in that area call Kentuckiana. And I started things off wanting to get a little background information on her and how she grew up and got interested in writing about music. Now I have on the phone with me someone new to the radio station. Now, we have been Facebook friends a long time, and she knows a little bit about the station, but this is the first time she's actually been on the station. Her name's Alana Nash. She is an author, uh, and we're going to get into some of the stuff that she has written in just a little bit, but we'll get to know her first. How's Alana today? Oh, it's a good day. Thanks for having me on, Shane. I really appreciate this. Thank you. Oh, well, thank you for being a guest. We really appreciate that. Now, today is a special day, a couple of reasons. One is, it's your birthday. It is. <laughs> August 16th. August 16th, that's right. And it's also uh, a day which, to all not only music fans, but more specifically Elvis fans, which is uh, a, sad, a sad day, but a remembrance day, because that's the day the King of Rock and Roll passed away in 1977. Uh, you know, can you tell us a little bit about how you felt that day and how you found out the news? Well, I sure remember that day. Uh, I, I was working for the Louisville newspaper, the Courier Journal. I live in Louisville. Mm-hmm. And I was uh, their pop music reviewer. And uh, since it was my birthday, uh, my mother was having kind of a special dinner for me and for my new boyfriend. Hmm. And my sister and I went out to the grocery to pick up uh, kind of a last-minute ingredient. And we heard the news on the car radio which in a way is kind of uh, fitting. Uh, so much of Elvis' mm-hmm. music uh, uh, comes out of a car radio when you're a kid uh, growing up with Elvis. <laughs> but wow, it was really, really shocking. And then uh, the newspaper, of course, wanted me to go out that evening and, and interview um, Elvis's step-grandmother who lived in Louisville. His, uh, his paternal grandfather had, had uh, moved up to Louisville and, and married a woman here and and then the next day, uh, they put me on the company plane to go to Memphis and, and cover the, the funeral. So it was, a, it was a, a very big day, a very sad day. 
You know, let's talk about that because I didn't know that about you. You actually were there on uh, when all of that pandemonium, as they say, was was going on. What I've heard some people's take on that. Give me your feeling of, I mean, and to set the mood, set the for the settings for the listener to set the mood. It was extremely hot, right? And, it was just awful, awful yeah. hot, and uh, you know, it was, it was pandemonium, pandemonium for a couple of reasons. Number one, the, it was a Shriners convention in town, and so there, there weren't a lot of hotel rooms. You know, Memphis was a very different place in 1977. Mm-hmm. I, I, I hate to say it was a forgotten place, but it was a crumbling southern town. Uh, not all that much happened in Memphis. Uh, back then, Beale Street was uh, all but shut down. Uh, there wasn't uh, all that much tourism. It just was kind of a place you didn't think about all that much, except perhaps when you thought of Elvis. Mm-hmm. But all of a sudden, people from all over the world uh, landed in Memphis because they felt as if a member of their family had died. So here were these thousands of people coming into Memphis uh, from literally around the globe. There were all these press people coming in, and then all the, sh- the Shriners. <laughs> so there weren't <laughs> enough hotel rooms for everybody. It was beastly hot, and people just came over to Graceland. Uh, I wasn't there till the 17th, but certainly um, on that day, people were lined up on either side of the gates, hoping to uh, be allowed onto the grounds and also to uh, view the remains of, of Elvis, uh, which, which was possible. It was something that Vernon Presley wanted to do. Now, did you get to go in? I mean, were you able to go through with uh, a bunch of the crown? I was. As a matter of fact, uh, another reporter from Louisville, a guy named uh, John Filiatro, who was a columnist uh, at the time, and I were really the first press people allowed in at that point. Uh, There weren't a lot of press people right up uh, in front of the house, uh, maybe 20, 25, and and, uh, Elvis's um, head of security, Dick Grobe, came out with a bullhorn. He didn't really need it because there weren't that many of us, but he announced that uh, members of the of the press who wished to to go in uh, to line up, and then he kind of pointed to us and he said, "Behind these two. So we were the first in, and uh, I went back in a couple of times. Actually, it was you weren't allowed to stop, so you had to go through. Uh, at that point, they had Elvis uh, out in in the hallway there as you first go through the door. Uh, you weren't allowed to stop, so you you had to go in through pretty pretty briefly, but. I did sneak in uh, another time and tried to get through a a third time, and they pulled me out of line. Oh, wow. Now, I've heard, of course, the thousands and thousands of, of, uh, as they say, the conspiracy theories and things like that. There's no doubt to you. I mean, the only known picture is that half picture of him in in the casket, but uh, would you say there's no doubt in your mind that that was him? There's no doubt in my mind today. There was at that moment because I, I think just the shock, number one, that he was gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, number two, I don't know what I expected him to look like. I don't know if I thought he would have on a jumpsuit or... Mm-hmm. I, I don't know what I thought, but, but he was dressed in a white business suit that I know now his father gave him for Christmas. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was dressed in a, a blue dress shirt and a silver tie. And somehow... Um, he looked very waxy. I, I, I now know why that was. 
uh, without getting into specifics, uh, that uh, let's just say that the undertaker had to do a lot of work on him. Yeah. So, uh, but I have no doubt. No, absolutely. Elvis is gone, and I know there are people who claim to have had his baby or to have known him in years after 1977. But uh, I am convinced that he unfortunately did leave us on August 16th, 1977. You know. Um Let's now that we've covered that part. Let's go back way back. Uh, where did you grow up? I grew up in Louisville. So you've always been a Louisville girl. I have. And what? In the course, I you went to uh, Columbia University, right? For graduate school, yes. Oh, okay. Now, when did you know you wanted to write? Well, I knew immediately. Really, I was already writing uh, little short books and uh, long poems by uh, third grade. I just always wrote. And I'm old enough to say that I was uh, among the original Elvis fans. So Elvis came on the national scene when I was six, and I was completely eaten up with him. I just thought he was the most exciting thing I'd ever seen. I loved the the music. I'm not sure I knew what the music was about at six years old, but Mm -hmm. I just knew whatever it was he did, I loved it. And uh, was a huge Elvis fan uh, until he went into the Army. When he came out of the Army, the, the music had a different tone to it. It was... Right. It, all those rough edges had been smoothed off, and it took me a while to um, to get accustomed to that. But I, I hung in there until the movies got really bad, and the music got uh, chosen from the movies. And, and then I got uh, got my head turned by the Beatles, to tell you the truth, mm-hmm. and uh, did not really resume my, my um, interest in Elvis until the 68 special, when uh, he reclaimed himself, you might say. You, all right, you, so this is about 1968. Were you, all, you were already starting to do uh, interviews of people in the music industry at that point, right? Yes, when I was 14, I started writing for national magazines and doing uh, interviews with, uh, with musicians. I had been a music, mus- musician myself as a teenager. I played, uh, I studied classical violin from the time I was uh, six until I was 19. And then I was self-taught on, on a lot of uh, instruments. I played drums in an all-girl rock band. And uh, I played guitar and, and sang folk music and uh, played just a, ver- a variety of instruments. So um, it made sense to me to interview other musicians because I really thought really, that's, that's where my life was going to take me. But uh, at some point, journalism won out, but I just married my two interests. Right. Exactly. And now, you were writing uh, periodicals, you were uh, writing for newspapers and things like that. How did, Your first book was about Dolly Parton, right? Yes, it came out in 1978. Now, how did that come about? Did, was that your idea, or did someone contact you and say, how would you like to do a book about Dolly? How did that happen? Well, I was writing for something called Country Music Magazine, and had been since uh, 1974, and when Dolly began to expand her sound to adopt a little more of a, a city sound, you mm-hmm. might say, uh, it was big news in Nashville. People accused her of leaving country music and abandoning her roots, and uh, that wasn't what she had in mind at all. But she did want to branch out, and so I was assigned the cover story on her and spent quite a bit of time with her in, in Nashville and, and uh, elsewhere uh, on the road. And uh, when the cover story came out, a publisher in New Hampshire, of all places, uh, decided to do a Dolly book. I think the, the wife of the owner of the publishing company just adored her and, and came to country music, and I got that. Uh, I was tapped for that book because I had done that cover story. So I, I was thrilled. And uh, you actually got to spend some time with Dolly during the book, right? Not during the book, no. Only only from that magazine piece. Oh, okay. I interviewed uh, many other 
people around her, including her family, and uh, uh, it was it had to be done very quickly. I think I think I had three months to do all of the all of the interviewing and most of the writing. Although I had a little, a little more time there at the end, but it was done quickly. But you know, it's kind of held up through the years uh, as a record of her uh, earliest uh, years in show business and her her attempts to become more of a mainstream stream star and and I, I'm proud it's out of print now but people seem to find it I'm, I'm proud of it yeah and now and to kind of give a comparison I know when uh, I think one of the first books that came out about Elvis was by Jerry Hopkins right and the colonel and Elvis were aware of it and the they wouldn't necessarily give their official blessing they just said they wouldn't do anything to block it is the story right. I heard did you get anything like that from Dolly that, that's pretty much the same thing. She didn't do anything to block it. She didn't ask people not to speak with me, but she was a little fearful of it. I think um, anytime somebody writes what is called an unauthorized biography of you, you you are a little frightened about how they might interpret your life or your career. But she later decided, uh, she told Billboard magazine that uh, Kip Kirby from Billboard that she thought it was a pretty good book and was complimentary about the writing. And uh, it took us a, a, a few years to get back <laughs> on an even keel, but but uh, I last interviewed her last August, so it's been a year, but uh, she was very, very gracious to me. And, and I found out something, uh, the first time I met her, she, she said, you know, you look like my kinfolk. <laughs> and I said, well, you, you know, it's, it's possible because my mother is from Sevierville, Tennessee, where Dolly grew up. And so last August when I saw her, I presented her with some uh, genealogical papers. It turns out we are related. It's a very distant uh, uh, relationship. We are fifth cousins once removed. So that's about uh, as far as you can get to still have bragging rights. Related. But, but uh, we, we are distantly related. Well, that's cool. That's kind of neat. More of our conversation with author Alana Nash right after this. Dr. Will Hine practices general and cosmetic dentistry with services ranging from veneers and whitening to implants and complete smile restorations. Indiana Family Dentistry's phone number is 852-5999 and website is infamilydentistry.com. Indiana Family Dentistry is a proud supporter of Hendricks County and Community Radio. This is Donald James from Impact Youth Mentoring. Impact Youth Mentoring serves the children of Hendricks County. Impact Youth provides academic and social development in our mentees as well as leadership development in our mentors. If you are interested in becoming a mentor or know a child who could use a mentor, learn more by searching Impact Youth Mentoring on Facebook or at our website, impactyouthmentoring.org. A podcast of Central Indiana Today is now available on SoundCloud or iTunes. Made possible by Figment 2 McDonald's. Figment 2 McDonald's has locations in Avon, Brownsburg, Danville, Speedway, and 10th Street next to Ben Davis High School. Figment 2 McDonald's is a proud supporter of WYRZ 98.9 and Community Radio. We now return to our conversation with author Alana Nash as she talks not only about the books that she's written about Elvis Presley, but also the Jessica Savage story. Now, your next book was about 10 years later, Golden Girl, the the story of Jessica Savage. You want to tell us how uh, you got onto that? Because well, it, it was a departure from what you've been doing with the, within the music industry. 
it was a departure. At the same time I was writing that, and I'll tell you a little bit more about her, I was, I was ghostwriting a book for Alan Fortas, a member of, of uh, yeah. Elvis's entourage. Yeah. So my, my attention was kind of split there at that point. But uh, I, um, when I was in graduate school, you mentioned Columbia University, my uh, advisor there was trying to steer me into television work. But I'd, I'd written for so long, I just w- had more of an orientation toward print uh, work. And so, uh, but, but I watched television news quite closely. And I just was, uh, uh, my father and I just loved Jessica Savage, who was someone who came to uh, NBC in 1977 and looked as if she were really going to go the distance in, in becoming the first woman to, to anchor a regularly scheduled uh, evening newscast, which was the big gem back in those days. Mm-hmm. And that didn't quite happen, and uh, I knew enough about how news stars were built, how they ascended uh, the ladder, and I was curious about what happened to her, what happened to her career, and she uh, had a quick uh, marriage and divorce, and then her second husband hanged himself, and then she died uh, quite tragically in an automobile accident uh, in 1983, and, and I just couldn't stop thinking about her and what happened. I wanted to know what happened to her, and so I wrote a book proposal and uh, was able to sell it uh, through an agent, and uh, that's how that book came about. Now, when uh, and we're going to get to something that's going on in your life right now, but uh, that was used. That book was used for was it making a motion picture, right? Yes, it suggested uh, the movie Up Close and Personal with Robert Redford and Michelle Pfeiffer. I wish they'd left more of Jessica's story in it, and Michelle Pfeiffer went on record as saying that she wished it had been more of Jessica's story. But uh, the screenwriters took it a little far afield of what I had written, but uh, a lot of people loved that movie, and I'm, I'm glad of it. Yeah. Did you? Uh, did they ever contact you about maybe being, what do they call it, a technical advisor or anything like that? Yes. In fact, I was, I was paid a, 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 a little bit of money to, as a perk to be a consultant on that film. But uh, I, I learned the, <laughs> kind of the hard way that that really often is just a way to keep you away from the screenwriters and the set. So uh-huh. I never uh, spoke with them, although uh, um, it was actually written by Joan Didion and her husband, John Gregory Dunn. And I was thrilled initially that they were... Uh, responsible for this film because they they are such wonderful writers themselves but uh i just was not pleased with the way that the story did not follow the storyline of, of the book yeah and, and of course it's out of your out of your power totally oh, yeah. yes. <laughs> well almost 10 years later 1995 you came up uh, or you came out with the revelations from the memphis mafia now you you mentioned alan fortis i don't think i realized that you were a ghostwriter for for him uh, how did that co- so in between there let's talk about that how did you connect with uh, with alan well, when I was in Memphis to cover the funeral, I didn't know anybody in Memphis. And so uh, just being a reporter, I went to the newspaper there and asked who was the Elvis expert, who was the reporter who covered Elvis. And it was a fellow by the name of Bill E. Burke. Yeah. And Bill Burke uh, became a treasured friend. He just took me under his wing and took me with him literally uh, on his Elvis beat, uh, interviewing everybody he could find uh, for his stories for a number of days. He really, and I came back to Louisville and then went back to do an, uh, a lot of articles for the Courier Journal. And Bill again helped me uh, open a lot of doors that, that uh, I, people I wouldn't have been able to see otherwise. And one of those people was, was Alan Fortas. And Alan and I got to be friends, and uh, a few years went by, and he said, you know, I'd kind of like to do a little book. 
and uh, so I, I did it as a, as a ghostwriting project. Um, and unfortunately, Alan died of cancer just a few weeks after that book came out. Hmm. And so when it was, uh, it came out in hardcover, and then years later it had a paperback reprint. And his son said, well, you know, you should put your name on it this time, so you, there's at least somebody to talk about the book. So there is a paperback reprint in which I do have credit on it. But Alan was a very sweet man, a very devoted um, friend to Elvis. He, he, you know, all of the Memphis Mafia guys, uh, Elvis's entourage, had, had jobs. A lot of people don't realize that, but and Al, Alan took care of the cars, with the fleet of cars, and mm-hmm. uh, he was a delightful, jovial fellow. I, I miss him. He's been gone all this, all these years since '92. I still miss him. Yeah, was he the? So he was the first one that uh, out of Elvis's bunch that you got to know. He was, and then uh, when I did the uh, the book you just spoke of, uh, Elvis Aaron Presley Revelations from the Memphis Mafia, which came out under another title, the title we really wanted to use for years, uh, Elvis and the Memphis Mafia, uh, and it's out under that title now. But uh, Alan was supposed to be part of this group of Marty Lacker and Lamar Fike and Elvis's cousin Billy Smith as part of that book, but uh, unfortunately he died before. Uh, could uh, start the interviewing process for that. Yeah, uh, and of course that came out under that was uh, published by Harper Collins. Is is uh, still available at least on Amazon that I've seen. You know, most of the time. And uh, I I'll go ahead and give you my opinion. I thought it was probably, and I've read, I've posted on Facebook some pictures of my Elvis book collection. I've been reading for a long time and I'll have to say, and I'm not saying this just because I'm on the phone with you, that is probably my favorite. And you could tell that they had nothing but uh, admiration and love in what they were saying. And yet at the same time, they wanted to be sure and get the, the truth out you know, and for the fans. And so uh, I th- I just thought you did a great job on that. And I thought they did a great job uh, telling their story. Now, how, Thank you. how... I would appreciate that. Two of them are gone now, unfortunately, yeah. Marty Lacker and Lamar Fike. But uh, they were proud of that book. And Marty hasn't been gone that long. No, just a few months. Now, out of the three of them, uh, let's talk a little bit about them. Lamar, I have heard... I've seen, and I've seen some interviews with him. He's probably the funniest. Yes. <laughs> very, very funny. He had a, a way of expressing himself. It was part Texas, part Tennessee, but uh, very, very dry humor. But uh, uh, Lamar was probably the smartest of all those guys also, and he was he was uh, better educated than some of them, and he just has a word choice that, uh, and also a cadence in speaking that uh, quite quite humorous. Yeah. And now Billy, that was actually Elvis's cousin, and still is. Uh, he's like you said, he's the one who's still around, and um, well, he's it, protective, I guess you could say. I guess, I he, guess so. Yeah, it's his family. You know, when he speaks about Gladys or Vernon, I mean, this is this is his immediate family, and those families were closer than than most, uh, say, um, uh, nephews and aunts or nephews and uncles, because. The, the two families, the Presleys and the Smith family, uh, came to Memphis together in, um, in Billy's father's car. They left Tupelo where they had a very hard time making a living and moved to Memphis together, the two families, and, and really had a tough 
tough time those first uh, first early years. But the, the Smiths and the Presleys were always extremely close, and re- really, Billy was like a younger brother. Yeah. For Elvis than than a first cousin. Yeah, and I got that impression from him that he was had just become more of a, a younger brother, especially towards the end. It seemed like Billy was always right there with him at all times. Yes, he he lived there at, uh, on on the Graceland property. Yeah. Uh, now, did you get to go to the funeral of Marty and Lamar? I did not, unfortunately. Yeah, and you don't like you said you you miss you miss those guys when you know they're just not a phone call away anymore. Well, you know, I particularly miss Marty now. I, uh, Marty was uh, uh, he did not suffer fools gladly, right? And, and Marty and I uh, butted heads a number of times on this book uh, and in uh, real life, apart from the book. Uh, he was a, a guy who really, really never stepped down from any disagreement, and he would tell people on Facebook who, who crossed him, he would tell them off. Yeah. But I had a lot of respect for him, and I think he did for me as well. And and what I liked most about Marty is that he would tell the, the absolute tr- truth, no matter who it hurt. And, if you know, one of the things about that book that I liked, and some people didn't really understand our intent, that... They didn't always agree on something, and, and even if they were in the same room when something right. happened in Elvis's life, they told it in a different way. And yeah. I left it that way so the reader could make up his mind about which story they thought was, or which details were, were true. But uh, Marty was absolutely devoted to the truth, and it's just, I've known him so long. You know, I've known him since the early 90s, and it, uh, uh, we did stay in touch all the time, uh, up until just uh, a week or so before he died. And it's just very odd to me now that I can't send him an email and ask him to clarify something or <laughs> uh, would he get Sunny West on the phone for me or Red West or somebody. He just, he was always there. So, uh, you know, as these Memphis Mafia guys are dying, uh, there are only a few left now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there won't be anybody who was there uh to tell the absolute truth anymore so the story becomes more myth than uh living history yeah you mentioned something there and when i was talking about how much i like the book that was another thing that i liked that you left and that is the author of a book will sometimes and it's usually their job is to interview several different people and then it's up to the author to decide the best way to tell what they decide is the truth. Yes. And your stories in that book, like you said, one would remember something one way and one would remember things another way. Yes. And uh, I thought that was great that you just said, you know, basically in their own words, here's what happened. So well, Thank you. I appreciate that. You know, it's sort of like uh, witnesses, eyewitnesses to a traffic accident when mm-hmm. the police start interviewing them. They, they, they all saw something different. So, uh, and, and, you know, memories fade over the years. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just wanted to present each side and then let the, let the reader decide what really happened. We'll be back tomorrow night talking with author Alana Nash as she tells us more about some of her other writings as well as a project that she's involved in right now as a direct result of one of her books. Filling in for Rob the Big Talker Kindle, I'm Shane Ray for Central Indiana Today. You've been listening to the Kevin Kersey Agency presents Central Indiana Today on 98.9 WYRZ. Made possible by the Kevin Kersey Agency. An archive of today's program can be heard at our website, wyrz.org. 
tune in next time for another edition of the Kevin Kersey Agency presents Central Indiana Today with your host, Rob Kendall. Hello, this is Kevin Kersey. Since 1968, our family has been helping customers with their insurance needs. We provide insurance coverage for life, home, auto, and recreational vehicles. Phone number is 317-286-3481. The Kevin Kersey Agency can also be found on Facebook at The Kevin Kersey Agency or at our website, www.farmersagent.com forward slash kkersey. Walk-ins are always welcome at 480 East Northfield Drive, Suite 300 in Brownsburg. The Kevin Kersey Agency, a member of the Farmers Insurance Group.